Hello and welcome to another episode of The Abundant Edge, the podcast all about the worlds of permaculture, natural building, and regenerative living. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher, and I have a fantastic interview for you in this episode. So stick around and we will jump right on in. Right, so before we get started, are you looking for a gift for your loved ones in the upcoming season? but don't want to get them some consumer junk that'll just get tossed out in a couple weeks? I know I always struggle to find gifts that will have a positive impact, something that will fill the coming year with the practical and positive solutions that permaculture has to offer. So consider a gift subscription to Permaculture Magazine of North America. From recipes from the garden to useful DIY projects, tips from the pros, and so much more, a subscription to Permaculture Magazine is a perfect way to spread positivity and useful knowledge all year long. Your friends and family will be thrilled to have all this information at their fingertips as they develop their own healthy and regenerative lifestyles. If you order the print version, you'll also receive the 25-year digital archive of the original Permaculture International magazine from the UK as a free bonus for a limited time only. There's also a digital subscription option for people like me who are always traveling and need this as a resource while we're on the go. Permaculture magazine is a proud sponsor of the Abundant Edge podcast and here to be a platform to support the voices of the permaculture movement throughout North America. So show your support this holiday season and help to strengthen the permaculture revolution with a subscription today at permaculturemag.org. All right, I am especially happy to bring you today's interview because I'll be speaking with one of the natural builders who's most influenced and helped me out to get where I am today, running a profitable natural building and regenerative design company. His name is Charlie Rendell, and he's the owner of Return to the Forest, a natural design and building firm in the next town over from me here in San Marcos, La Laguna, in Guatemala. Now, for 13 years, Charlie has been living in his little lakeside community and first started learning to build while working on structures on his own land. Through help from other colleagues and friends, he got interested in building with bamboo, and Charlie gradually trained himself and a group of local construction workers to build and design some of the most impressive natural buildings that I've seen anywhere in the world. So I first met Charlie back in May of 2016 when I reached out to him to interview him for an article on my website. This was the last time I was traveling here in Guatemala. I was so inspired by his work that I arranged with him to come back as an intern in order to learn more about bamboo and managing other larger contracts and designs. I then lived and worked with him for four months and learned so much that has helped me in all aspects as a builder and a business owner. In this interview, we'll be going into detail about bamboo as a building material and many of its advantages and disadvantages. Charlie goes into how it's produced and treated for construction, as well as how to maintain it so that it lasts as long as possible and performs well. Don't forget to check out his website at returntotheforest.org and have a look at the pictures of some of the many incredible projects that he's worked on over the years. There will be links to all of it in the show notes for this episode on the website as well. So before I give too much away, let me turn things over to Charlie Rendell. Hey, Charlie, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you being here and being on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you, Oliver. Thank you for uh, having me again. uh, Excuse the dogs. Yeah, well, how many do you have here now? It's it's nine. We'll see if we can edit them out, but, you know, it's part of the ambiance of of your property for sure. Um, just for people, a little bit of background, I have interned and lived back here with Charlie, um, almost exactly a year ago I got here. 
It, it was in November of uh, last year. Wow. 2016, yeah. It's flown by. It has flown by. happened. You wow. and I have both yeah. been very busy. And I lived here for four months and got well acquainted with the dogs and then moved over to the next town over. But um, So let's get started from the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in natural building? Yeah, my background is not in building. It's in social anthropology. It's where I studied uh, what I studied at Edinburgh University. Uh, and I spent most of my 20s uh, trying different careers from being a teacher to uh, facilitating uh, postgraduate skills development courses at University College London, uh, teaching sociology and psychology in IT, uh, studying up a business in, in India, uh, trying to get into community development and ecological uh, restoration. And then I came to Guatemala and uh, fell in love with uh, my partner, Gabby, uh, who I happened to be staying there. And I moved in with her and pretty soon into that, I started building um, a small playhouse for my son, where I got to know a local stroke Canadian carpenter and uh, an engineer and he taught me the basics of building, and I found that I really enjoyed it. I, I had a knack for it as well. And uh, while I spent the next four years, five years, running my, helping to run my partner Gabby's uh, arts education uh, development project called La Cambalacha, uh, which is where we live, we, she teaches arts and uh, all sorts. We've had 500 volunteers living here over the time and we had to build these uh, volunteer accommodations for them. So I cut my teeth building uh, and making lots of mistakes on um, all sorts of weird constructions and developing the, the property we live on. a. It's about uh, two-thirds of an acre here and we've got accommodation now for about sort of 40 people and during all that building and learning, I, I got to know the ropes of building here. And around 2009, I was asked to build my neighbor's house, um, which she wanted to build in bamboo. And I'd run a small uh, bamboo building course as a test to see if I could make a living running natural building courses here, because uh, uh, I was passionate about it. And I had learned about Bahareke, the sort of mud and sticks building here which I um, sort of the still... local equivalent to Waddle and Dob yeah. people are more familiar with yeah yeah it's uh, it's earthquake resistant and you can literally go up into the into the mountains here with a machete and a pickaxe and a hoe and uh, and some bags and and come back with a with a house on your back uh, little by little it might take a few trips <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, I learned how to build that I built a bamboo hybrid that uh, bahareke uh, bamboo I call it bambareke hybrid uh, compost toilet for my first natural building course which was really a great success uh, and that's actually where I uh, spent a lot of time with Shad for the first time he came as a um, sort of participant on that oh from... sure yeah he's talking about our colleague and friend Shad the owner of Atitlan Organics in Sununa where I live and that's how you guys first started to work together yeah and, well, actually, no, he was volunteering on the Cambalacha, teaching my guys permaculture. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he and I uh, got our 
cut our teeth on on running courses then, and I mean, that's a lot of his bread and butter now is those yep. those courses. And now I teach with him. And now you do that too. And you've got this <laughs> fire. You can have it. <laughs> the logistics involved in that just wasn't for me. So I I got asked more and more to build houses for neighbours, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a lot of really exciting big projects pretty early on. And I was asked to build way beyond my capacity, at which point I hired uh, an architect and an engineer. And I learned even more from then. Uh, I was also used to having volunteers here. So I started thinking, why don't I have natural building interns? So I started hosting natural building interns and I got taught uh, computer design by them. Uh, I got exposed to new earthen building techniques. Uh, the engineer I hired in uh, from the city here, from Guatemala City, the capital here, he was a very uh, generous man with his knowledge. And so I, I was lucky enough to learn an awful lot about uh, earthquake-resistant engineering in, in all materials. He's a very experienced engineer. And the architect was also a gifted carpenter, and he took my bamboo building to a whole new level in the Tai Chi temple that we built. Uh, so in right. that's in, a in, remarkable example of what you can do with bamboo. And if anybody's interested, you can check that out on Charlie Rendell's website at returntotheforest.org or dot com dot org dot org. Yeah, nice. And uh, we're also lucky enough to build a, a bamboo and bahareke uh, clinic in in the neighboring town of San Pablo de Laguna for um, ODIM, the Organization for the Development of the Indigenous Maya, which is an NGO that operates uh, on the lake here. And uh, I also was lucky enough to build, what else? Uh, the Yoga Forest was where I we did a lot of natural building. Uh, we did Bahareke cabins. We did uh, a large yoga uh, platform. We built uh, yeah a whole retreat center there. And then Shad, too, uh, asked me to build the uh, Hotel Bamboo over in Sunana. Yep. And that's now where we're hosting all the courses. Yep. Yep. And where we just finished building the restaurant, actually. Yeah. So that was the completion. The big it. deck and extension on there is beautiful. They just had a yoga teacher training there and it's yep. done really well. Yeah. It's a very nice addition to that hotel. Well, hey, so. Let's change gears a little bit. Can you tell me about why you were first attracted to work with bamboo, why it works so well here, and some of the considerations that maybe someone should think about uh, as far as limitations of the material? Sure. Well, I was first drawn into bamboo by my neighbor who was building uh, their house. And they had a friend who lives on the coast here, which is where most of the bamboo in Guatemala grows, because we're in the highlands here. And uh, bamboo will grow here, but there's just no plantations. Whereas down there, the big uh, farm owners have planted a lot of bamboo because it really holds the water. So it's got a lot of ecological benefits. It really holds big water reserves. And it grows a lot faster than, um, than wood. So it's very good for sort of uh, quick, cheap farm structures which is why on Shad's farm you'll see so many bamboo roofs everywhere. So uh, those are really just some of the benefits of bamboo. Why Give me I, an example of comparison of how fast it grows in comparison to wood. I think the number's six times faster. Yeah. Uh, so and, you can harvest the guadua brasileño, yeah. um, which I think is just Brazilian guadua yeah. in English. Uh, after, is it four or five years? 
once it's a fully mature calm, you can actually get a, a very strong and mature bamboo pole in three years. In three? Yeah. Nice. Uh, in, a, in a mature calm. If you're starting right. off one from scratch, it'll take a lot longer than that. They take a while right. to get started. But, but it's sort of a clumping rhizome, correct? Yeah, and there's the, the there's all sorts of different varieties that they're selling here now in Guatemala. It's still a fairly immature market, but there's uh, there's verticillata, there's different types of wadwa, uh, the Brazilian ones, the Colombian ones, and there's the asper, which is a beautiful large diameter straight bamboo. Um, there's all sorts of small bambucitos, small variety ones. There's the Mexican weeping bamboo that actually grows in abundance here in San Marcos. Right. And, and that one's the only one that's actually has a solid core yep. and isn't hollow on the inside. Yep. Yeah. So and there's advantages and strength to that, even though it's smaller diameter, right? Yeah. yeah. There's actually a Yahoo groups uh, dedicated just that to that, just just that bamboo because it's so made, so much built out of it in Mexico. Wow. Uh, the but the bamboo. Why was I drawn to it? I find a lot of people when they. St- first start working with bamboo I don't know it's just sort of love at first sight it's it's just a really beautiful material uh, I I remember from my childhood walking into a bamboo grove in England and and again in France by the river these bamboo calms and I was just really struck by how strong it was and how abundant it was and uh, how light it was and uh, it's just a really Im- impressive plant, and and it comes in all these different sizes as well. And uh, the more I learned about bamboo, the more impressed I was with it. Indeed, it's something we're not aware of in Western history is the bamboo age in Asia. That uh, there was a period in in Asia uh, that's like, not so great on my ancient history, but. Uh, for thousands of years, bamboo was one of the main things that they built out of, yeah. which is why over there in, in, in different parts of Asia, they're so much faster and better at building uh, with bamboo than we are. We're really sort of floundering. Uh, Colombia is a bit of an exception, but um, and there are people who are getting good at it now. Right. But uh, in comparison sort of come to... come back into fashion almost. Yeah, it's definitely become a fashionable building material. Uh much due to the structures out in Bali, like the Bali School and, or yeah. sorry, the Green School and other sort of headline making buildings that really showcase some of the, the design potential of this very durable, strong, and yet flexible and lightweight material just allows you to do a lot of things that you can't with other, um, either natural or industrial materials, right? Yeah, and there's just just so much you can do with bamboo. You can split it. You can you can pack it into plywood. You can uh, glue it, compress it. People do reinforced concrete with it. Yeah. Uh, you can do weaves with it, and it's just incredibly versatile material. You can break it down into fibers and make textiles and fabrics and, and rope yeah. and, and ropes. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, you can make charcoal out of it. You yeah. can uh, do all sorts, but it is uh, particularly magical. Uh, plant and just seeing it live alone is impressive uh, I, I don't know if anyone's had the chance to sort of drive through a bamboo forest I was lucky enough to drive a motorbike through one in India and it's just vast yeah. and and it was also the source of income for um, many many villages all around the area that would uh, work with bamboo for paper for uh, for charcoal 
and uh, and their buildings and uh, yeah. Once you discover this material and you start working with it and realize its potential, uh, it really is uh, awe-inspiring and it's hard not to fall in love with it yeah. if you're involved in building anything with yeah. it. So I... Million uses. Yeah. And at the same time, good for the environment, grows fast. I mean, it's a, it's a type of grass. And is the fastest growing plant. I'm not sure which species of bamboo exactly, but I've heard that there's uh, one that can grow up to four feet in a day. Yeah. Under the right circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah well watered and right. at, at a particular point in its growth cycle. Right. But uh, the benefits of, of it uh, ecologically as well, I think it's uh, four times as much carbon sequestration as. Uh, I have to check my facts on this, but. There's one uh, aspect of it that it's it's a far faster and more efficient carbon sequesterer than than wood and and most other plants as well. Yeah, can um, and uh, the speed of growth as well that you can get this 12 meter long pole that will work as a beam for a, a, a 10 meter long span uh, in three years. If you compare that with wood, you know you don't have to wait 60 years for, it and it'll have to be a uh, composite beam yeah. at that. Uh, so and how much more it weighs. So you have to design the building to take the weight of that span as well. Yeah. So the engineering would have to be different just for the weight addition of a similar size beam or post out of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is why it's so uh, great to work with it in this climate because it's we live in a very uh, land of eternal spring they call it. Yeah. Uh, where the the temperatures fall below eight degrees Celsius, so about fifty odd in Fahrenheit, and uh, you can have these very large open spaces here. So it's great for building here with that, where you don't even need to put in walls. You just have these large span structures. Yeah, and people we're are fortunate to be in an area where insulation is not a major design consideration. We don't have to make walls nearly as thick. The fluctuation in temperature throughout the year is very minimal. Um, there's just some blessings to being in this climate that make building a little easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, indeed the bamboo distribution is quite funny how it seems to self-select based on climate. The further north you go, the smaller and smaller the bamboo goes, or the colder you go, whether it's north or south. So you get lots of the big bamboos in the tropics, but the further north you go, you still get them in England. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's funny that I remember the first... It's often grown more as an ornamental and more northern climates. Yeah, and it does grow wild too. Right. Uh, that's uh, that was when I first found myself in a bamboo grove in Cornwall in England, and it would felt positively tropical. Yeah. Inside this bizarre bamboo grove, it was like I uh, moved country or something. Well, the first time I worked with it in building, we actually did a version of uh, Waddle and Dobb at a workshop in Oregon when mm. I was doing my apprenticeship for natural building. And there was actually a, I mean, you know, it's very small diameter stuff, but of course it's very flexible at that diameter too. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was part of the apprenticeship that I did. And there was actually a, um, there was a farm producing it there in Oregon. Huh. So, I mean, I think just as it gains in popularity and people realize all the different uses for it, it's starting to, you know, even if it's tough to get the larger diameter construction grade tropical versions, there are still infinite uses for even the smaller diameter and, um, you know, less strong or beefy versions as well. Yeah. And uh, there are some fun buildings now that they're doing in, uh, I've seen, I can't remember his name, but the Vietnamese architect 
Vatrongna, I think. Uh, apologies for mispronouncing that if I did. He's bundling bamboo, and there's some great examples of this online. You can just search Pinterest for bundled bamboo, and they do composite beans. Yeah. Huge great arches bundled together, and uh, if you get it while it's green, uh, or if you heat it up, but it's easier while it's green, you could flex it and bundle it into these curved beams that are, uh, yeah, very aesthetically pleasing and yeah. structurally strong as well. And that's uh, actually a valid point to make because trying to bend wood is quite a it's quite a hassle. Yeah, you uh, you have to steam it or uh, laminate it, and the beauty of bamboo is in its fiber length. In that I think they're around eight centimeters long. You know, mm. typical bamboo fiber in in large bamboos anyway. And the woods I think is about one centimeter long. So it's about eight times longer. And that fiber length is one of the reasons why bamboo is so much more resistant seismically because it can flex a lot more. And the behavior when it breaks is it isn't catastrophic. It doesn't catastrophically break it. It will actually, it will crack and snap, but it'll actually still stay together. Whereas when you break wood, it's... It's gone. It's yeah. separated, and uh, it'll fall down. Right. Uh, whereas bamboo, if as long as the joins are held well together in a building, then it'll it may flop around a bit more. Yeah. Uh, but it will be a lot more resistant to earthquakes because of that. Nice. Now we've covered just about all of the good aspects of bamboo, and of course we've left out mm. some because of the infinite uses that this material has. Let's talk about some of the considerations and the precautions that you need to take when working with bamboo. Sure. Well, one of the hardest uh, problems, the, the, you know, the most intractable problems I've had here in Guatemala is woodworm, uh, or polia as they call it here. And there's a wood boring beetle here. That's, uh, there's various deep, different bugs that will bore into, uh, into wood and bamboo here. And the borax treatments, uh, and it's actually borax and boric acid uh, solutions that you you can pressurize and push that into the bamboo or you can soak it in sort of swimming pools, great long pools uh, with this boric acid and borax solution. Uh, the quality of the treatment here has been very hard to guarantee and we've had a lot of bamboo that has come and pretty soon after we start building with it, it starts getting woodworm. And indeed, it's still a problem that we're facing uh, in some of my builds that certainly just be one bamboo that didn't get that properly treated because of pure poor quality control down in the treatment plant on the coast and but once it's put up in a building you only find out after the fact that it's giving you woodworm so i've developed techniques using uh poison wood poison comechenol and penta uh, which i i'm loath to use i hate that stuff uh it's poisonous to everything uh but unfortunately, the, there aren't really any other alternatives once it's up in a building. So that's been a particular uh, problem. And we've got a lot better. I've started insisting on higher quality and paying more and guarantees with my supplier. Uh, but it's difficult to get that quality because the, because of this is Guatemala. There's, there's little legal recourse on uh, purchasing materials like bamboo. Right. Um, it's a bit of a cowboy's market. And uh, you've really only... hopefully it'll continue to mature over the years and quality control will improve, but it's yeah. going to depend on the demand from the consumer side as well. 
Yeah, yeah, and it is, and it's also limited by uh, education. You know, the, the the people who are running these businesses uh, don't have the uh, the experience of managing high quality production, right? And and so there's a lot of a uh, lot of problems with 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 that. It's getting better, like you say, and I have already improved my local market by. Um, by making sure I follow through when, when things don't go well. Um, but that's been one problem. So the, the the buggy problem is a problem. And that goes as far back in the production line as when you harvest it. At certain times of the year, there's certain times of the lunar cycle when it's better to harvest it because it'll have less carbohydrate. Uh, there's waiting until a bamboo is at the right point uh, in its growth cycle. And it's only now that I'm beginning to see bamboo arrive with the markings on it that show people are actually measuring when they planted. Because before it was all sorts. Now you get things with, it's a good sign that actually writing on it. It shows that the quality control is improving. So that's one problem, uh, but it's getting better and it will hopefully only get better as demand for high quality materials uh, increases, which it is happening here on the lake. I've probably trained probably close to about 300 odd builders now how to work with bamboo and it's ongoing uh and just this week i introduced three more people to working with bamboo and they picked it up like that it's great to have all the right tools now that used to be hard to get so there's all these tools and all this bamboo and all these clients saying we want bamboo and there's just so much bamboo pouring into this which is which is great because that means more bamboo is being planted down on the coast instead of uh fast growing trees that'll uh damage the ecosystem that actually contribute to the ecosystem right and uh so that's one of the problems with bamboo is the bugs another problem with it is that it's not as resistant to sun and rain as uh, say some woods like cedar or cypress and of course most wood doesn't like getting wet and getting too much sun on it either but it's uh, bamboo because it's a little bit softer and a little bit more vulnerable. You have to be really careful to keep it out of the sun and the rain. And that limits how you can build with it. Uh, so you have to have longer eaves and you have to have slightly higher foundations. Keep it away from the damp and the sun and sunlight. And What's you, something you do to protect it against solar degradation? I use an oil that's uh, made in Costa Rica. It's called Larotec Plus. And uh, the, there's these Chinese missions that did uh, extensive testing with this company uh, to develop the best uh, protection for the bamboo. And they, had, uh, they recommend Laro, one coat of Larotec Plus and then one coat of Laro Sur Transparente. Uh, and these are two products made by the same company. And I found that's worked really well. But you have to reapply it, especially in areas uh, where of high exposure to sun and rain. Like in the, in the not the yoga forest, the, the bamboo, the bamboo hotel. hotel. You can see on they've got very long walls supporting four stories, and they're very exposed. And uh, Shad hasn't uh, varnished them enough and needs to get on that not varnish sorry oil them oil, and yeah. they really should have it every even as much as eight months in areas of high exposure so there is this ongoing maintenance cost 
Nonetheless, that's the same with all buildings, with a wooden sure. building as well. If you don't, if you don't sure. look after it, it's going to fall apart. Off. Some a little less than others, but there's maintenance costs to keeping up the quality of anything. Yeah. I mean, be it a car or a building yeah. <laughs> or even your clothing. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a reason why people would be disincentivized to do it, but it is definitely worth knowing that with proper maintenance, you'll get a much longer lifespan yeah. out of your bamboo building. And indeed, uh, good design as well, appropriate design. So the long eaves helps it shade them and right. keep them out of the spatter from the raindrops. Right. And there's a number of other things you can do that are probably uh, too detailed to go into here. But So that's one problem. is It is vulnerable to the elements, so you need to protect it. But if you do protect it, then it can last hundreds of years. There are many buildings in Colombia that are made of bamboo uh, that are still being restored and well maintained uh you can cover it in mud and cover it in lime that helps that's what we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed there's a 500 year old bahareke house with bamboo inside oh brilliant uh, and i was i don't know lucky or unlucky enough to demolish a bahareke house in uh san pablo about ooh, 11 years ago now and we were picking through the bahareke walls and the bamboo, which was the Mexican weeping bamboo, was it was like new. It was like it had been put in yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible how well-preserved it was in the mud. And Mud'll do that. That's one yeah. thing I've learned from working so much with cob and with adobe and earthen plasters, too. It basically mummifies any yeah. organic material that is properly kept inside of it. Yes. Because there is just enough airflow um, and moisture regulation that... You know, it doesn't just petrify. Yeah. Um, but it's slow and, and gradual enough that, uh, you know, I don't know all the science behind it or the mm. effect of it exactly, but that that's definitely been my experience. I Even just coming back and seeing the straw that we mix in with the cob mm -hmm. often still has perfect color and structural integrity when I've gone back to demolish a section or something later on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is extraordinary, that petrification process that mud does and whatever else it does the chemicals involved in it the i i read an interesting post on permies.com about they're trying to force petrify speed up the petrification process to actually create petrified wood wow uh, and uh i did it's complicated and they didn't get very far with it but it's an interesting topic all its own sure and worth so, exploring for sure yeah so uh that's a great way to protect it as well uh, other weaknesses of bamboo is, well, one of the reasons it's so light is because it's a large part of it is air in that chamber that you get in the internode. Uh, it's, it's round and, and full of air. And that means you can have these long spans and it's got this great, it creates this great structure, uh, where it has bamboo exactly where it needs it to support the, the tension, the compression that a beam uh, is put under over a long span and it also means that you can't uh, put much weight on it sideways because it'll crush yeah um, just like a straw will crush right uh, it'll it'll do that and that's quite a common uh, rookie mistake is to put in beams with quite large loads on and just support it with uh, a few columns and the beams will crush the bamboo and I solved that we had that issue at the bamboo hotel uh, I was aware of it, though, and I included that in the design. And we resolved it by filling that internode with 
I made a polyester resin and local white pumice volcanic sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, we use a lot for our plasters. Right, yeah. Well, I, I mixed it with something less natural, polyester resin. But Hey, everything for its correct <laughs> use, you know. I'm, hopefully it lasts a long time and offset yeah. the, the, the pollution I, created, I, I created that. But that worked great and has a, a full three stories of walls above it coming down on it. And uh, we did some, some tests on that. Uh, with it has rebar going through it as well, and it was in, we we couldn't destroy it. And, no, I can't uh, imagine. Yeah, and, <laughs> those resins are yeah. something else. And uh, a lot of people are doing the same thing, but with concrete. I don't like concrete so much in my bamboo because it uh, draws in moisture. Yeah, and uh, that isn't so good for bamboo all the time. However, a lot of people, a lot, I I I should maybe reconsider that and start trying experimenting with that uh, and possibly even with just lime and and pumice might be enough possibly yeah. or lime and sand at least because pumice is a bit more less less compressive can, yeah exactly yeah, crush so uh, I'd, I'd be interested to do some more experiments with that um, yeah me too and and the and the cement to see if it can it really does damage it over time that's just more of a hunch of mine. But uh, that's one way to offset its weaknesses. Nice. Let's talk for a second about the building process. Um, it's definitely not the same as framing or carpentry as most people are accustomed to with dimensional lumber or lumber of any kind. Yes. Um, the fasteners that you need um, can be different. The tools that you use can be different. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process and some of the differences between bamboo framing and timber framing yeah sure i mean a lot of the same principles apply but where it really differs is its shape because it's round you can't really use it as a door jam or a window frame uh, that's one of the beauties of timber framing is that you have a nice straight piece and you can just put a hinge on it yeah. with bamboo you can't really do that very easily unless it's a very rustic hinge uh, or, or door and that creates, if you're trying to do a high-end build, uh, a, a quite a significant extra cost because you have to get a, you know, kind of trying to fit a, a square peg through a round hole. Yeah, cool. almost literally, versa. yeah. Yeah, and so what uh, I've developed techniques over the years that, and, and as and you know, builders and architects have done similar adaptations all over the world and come up with their own solutions. Um, one of my tricks, for example, with a two by four is to cut a V shaped uh, notch or groove out of one side of it. And then that sits, instead of just the flat going onto the round, which would only touch on one point, it touches on two or three or even four points and uh, makes a much more stable join between the two. And then I can just screw it in with some uh, wood screws into the nodes, which have more meat in them than the internodes of thicker walls. And, and that creates a, uh, a good join that's where you can keep your door jam plumb and square and everything. Uh, it also creates where you're building a wall fill or plaster, uh, the problem of how do you finish it because you end up with this very thin V-shaped notch if you're exposing the bamboo and you're building the, the edge of the wall to it. Uh, so I've started... Uh, doing a chamfer or fillet on the end so that it comes in at a right angle and that it's, it's hard to describe in words but uh, 
it creates a relieved edge, and that relieved edge is much less prone to breakage. Uh, so those are some of the design considerations. It's it's challenging to work with the round. The special tools that you need, we, we work with uh, mostly with the circle saw, the circle hole cutter saw, big six-inch uh, hole saws, uh, the bimetal ones, not the tungsten ones. Uh, and we have large 12-inch uh, long pilot drill bits. I actually, for creating trusses and things, I've welded uh, drill bits onto the end of uh, and a two, two, three meter or six, eight foot long uh, pieces of steel. And we make these great long drills and we use threaded rod and welded rods to hold everything together. So I end up making a lot of custom steel stuff. Uh, the great thing is about that is that almost anywhere you go in the world, you've got these incredibly ingenious, talented welders everywhere yeah yeah uh, and metal is pretty ubiquitous so it's fun to create these braces and brackets and joints it is and i love going to the weld shop and just figuring out solutions to problems that we can't solve you know by going to the hardware store there's nothing pre-built for it yeah and that's one of the real advantages of things that i love about working in developing countries is they're really used to having these types of problems and solving them because there either isn't the money to go and buy something new or there isn't access to it and, you know, it's not supplied where they are. And they make do. Yeah. They, they find recycled or, or raw materials and they make it into what they need. I really have always admired that um, the ingenuity, ingenuity yeah. that is around here. And so it's a big advantage. And for people like you and me, it's so much fun to just yeah. go to those shops yeah. and figure out what we can make to solve our problems. That's that's why I don't think I would ever get bored of building and it's I worked as a bicycle mechanic for about eight years as a part-time job while I was at school and at university and it was uh I, I wondered oh, how long could I be a bike mechanic but it was always fascinating there was always something new even with a bicycle which is not that complex machinery there was always something new and, that's, and with building it's much huge much much bigger the the range of problems that one has to solve and I I love problem solving and keeps my brain spinning and keeps me uh, awake in a good way yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good way to look at it brilliant so we're getting to the end of our time here I know you're a busy guy I don't want to keep you for too long um, before I let you go though can you let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you how they can find some examples of your work and perhaps reach out to you to get in contact Sure. Uh, well, my website is probably the easiest. It's got a contact form on that, and that'll go straight to my email. Uh, that's returntotheforest.org. That's R-E-T-U-R-N-T-O-T-H-E-F-O-R-E-S-T.org. And uh, that's that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm available on that. And you can see all my projects there as well. There's a click on the projects link. You can see it's a bit out of date. I need to update it. But uh, there's still uh, some stuff I'm really proud of and happy, Definitely. very happy to have taken part in building. That's how I found you originally and reached out to you back in May of last year. Mm -hmm. And that's how we first ended up connecting. Um, for those of you interested, I actually did do a previous interview with Charlie and it's published as an article on the website. So you can check that out as well if you want to know more about him. Um, are you still doing or accepting interns or offering any classes coming up? Absolutely. Well, I I do guest teaching on your courses, of course. Yep. Uh, and you can tell them how to get hold of you. 
Uh, and interns, absolutely. I uh, have a very flexible policy on interns. I've learned that every intern is different and some come to nothing and some follow through. So I tend to just let interns come to me and it pans out for what it's going to be. And either synchronicity and magic happens uh, or, or people self-select and, and realize that it's not for them. Sure. And I am very happy. The wonderful thing about Guatemala is because there are very few rules, there's some great learning opportunities and you can get some uh, exposure to techniques and uh, and builds that you just you wouldn't be allowed anywhere near the building site in the West uh, unless Certainly. you were qualified and what have you. Certified so, and uh, insured a, and all of those. A little bit more dangerous and risky, but... Uh, but as long as How you're so aware many of, of us that. have learned, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have been a fantastic teacher to me, a huge influence on what I do. I'm entirely grateful for that, and I really look forward to working with you more in the future. We'll have to do a follow-up interview again sometime soon. In fact, in the next season when we start doing the regenerative roundtables, we're going to have you on uh, with, the, with the full team, and we'll have a good time on one of those. Look forward to it. You, you've been a great student, and you, you're one of the interns who followed through. So um, more than more than any other, I think. Actually. I'm your competition now, aren't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't see it as competition. I, no, uh, you work on a yeah. whole different stratosphere than I do. I'm not not trying to do as big a or ambitious of projects as you do, but I'm still constantly learning from all the things that you take on and and the big builds that you've got going here. Well, that, I hope we like, can do more big builds together, Oliver. It's been super fun. All right, Charlie, we'll catch up again soon. It's been great talking to you. You take care. Thank you very much. All right, bye. Bye, Jordan. So before we wrap up this show for the week, I've got some exciting news about the upcoming months. And I'm joined here now with my good friend and founder of Atitlan Organics, Shad Goodsey. Hey, buddy, what's new? Oh, man, so much is happening. First off, though, I just want to say thanks for having me, man. I really love your podcast. And I actually had a great time doing that interview back in one of the earlier episodes. Anyway, probably what's most exciting is our new collaboration between Atitlan Organics and Abundant Edge. As you know, we've been offering permaculture design courses for over six years now, and they really have become a staple here in Lake Atitlan. In particular, though, the intro to permaculture course is just an amazing way for travelers, gardeners, architects, basically anyone to fully immerse themselves in this new paradigm of permaculture design. Like, honestly, you can't take this course and still see the world the same way afterward, man. Yeah, it's life-changing. Sure. But like I said, what I'm most excited about is that now, thanks to our collaboration, we're going to be able to offer your natural building course immediately after every one of our Intro to Permaculture courses. Literally, this two-week offering is like possibly the most complete package that I know of available anywhere. Basically, with these two courses alone... I think that someone should have everything they need to start their own regenerative project or just their own regenerative lifestyle. That's that's what I'm excited about, man. But uh, yeah, what about you? What's going on? Man, well, you know already that me and the Abundant Edge team are gearing up for a big season as well. I mean, starting in November, we'll be breaking ground on a regenerative farming demonstration site, which is, of course, right down the hill from your farm. We'll be building animal pens, a classroom, outdoor kitchens and lounge areas connected to houses, and it's all going to be made out of natural materials. I mean, the site is going to serve as a demonstration farm for perennial and regenerative farming methods for years and years to come. 
And we'll even be offering courses and internship opportunities to people who want to learn for themselves about how to build with natural materials and set up their own farms. Heck yeah. That sounds amazing, man. And honestly, this is just about the best place in the world to learn all these things too. I mean, this little town of Sununa in the gorgeous tropical mountains of Guatemala, like right here on the shores of Lake Atitlan, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And on top of that, you have this traditional indigenous Mayan culture that's still rich and alive. And probably my favorite part is that we have this world international community of alternative people that are open to new ideas and really putting things into practice. I mean, within walking distance of the Bamboo Guest House, you've got loads of things going on. we got the projects that we've already talked about, but you also have yoga retreat centers. You have Charlie Rendell's Natural Bamboo Building School. You have Love Probiotics. you got Fungi Academy. And honestly, loads more alternative, blow-your-mind type stuff. I honestly just feel like this is where it's all happening. Yeah, man, it really does. And I want to get as many people as possible in on these projects, but we've got to make sure that they've got the skills first. So what do you say? Let's offer a big discount to those who sign up for both courses. I mean, all food and lodging in the amazing Bamboo Guest House is already included in the tuition. So this will be like the best deal that we've ever offered. That's a great idea. Because I mean, people can still take just one course if that's what they're into or if they can't make the full two weeks. But this will actually make the two courses more accessible to even a wider audience of people. And that way more people can get the knowledge that they need to get started doing what they want to do. So hey, to all of you listening out there, we really want passionate and driven people like you to come and be a part of the community and the ecosystem that we're building out here. So if you're ready to take the next step and really dive in, there's no better time to invest in yourself by joining us on this journey to a regenerative future. Shad, how can they get in touch with us and see the upcoming events and workshop schedule? For sure. Well, for start, they can either go to atilanorganics.com and click on the workshops tab, or they can check out abundantedge.com and click on the education tab. Either one of these will get you all the information you need for all of the courses that we're offering in the months ahead. We're really looking forward to working and collaborating with all of you inspired and enthusiastic people out there. But even if you can't make it out yourself, I'm sure you know someone in your network who would jump at the chance to get involved in this positive, regenerative, and truly life-changing projects. So this is Oliver Gaucher and Shad Goodsey inviting you to come and be a part of the regenerative future that we are building. Can't wait to see you here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. As always, you can find all the show notes for this and all other episodes at AbundantEdge.com by clicking on the podcast tab in the navigation bar. On the website, you can also find a whole range of educational articles, as well as the services we offer, from design and consulting to education. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, where I share updates and pictures on our projects, regenerative living articles, and even free resources and giveaways. Right now, you can get a discount code for 50% off your digital subscription to the incredible Permaculture Magazine of North America, simply by finding the code under the show notes of this episode. Thank you sincerely to all of you who have and continue to add comments and send feedback to me. Your contributions help this to be a conversation and dialogue that it's meant to be. For anyone else interested, you can email me and the whole team directly at info at AbundantEdge.com. All of your feedback makes these episodes and interviews so much more engaging and help me to give you the information and content that you want. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you again on next week's session.